You're listening to Casual Talk Radio, where common sense is still the norm. Whether you're a new or a longtime listener, we appreciate you joining us today. Visit us at casualtalkradio.net. And now, here's your host, Leister. Hello, and thank you for that, Bailey. Everybody, welcome Bailey to the show. Bailey's new to Casual Talk Radio, found at casualtalkradio.net, helping me out with my intros to freshen things up. We are going to be doing this for Crypto Talk Radio as soon as I can find the right blend. That one's trickier. Today, I'm going to keep it brief. I wanted to talk about a topic. It was floating around for the past month, and it doesn't affect anybody, I don't believe, listening to the show, but I think it's important that you understand, since I'm a podcaster, it doesn't affect me directly, but it does speak to how tricky this is and why it's not really for everybody and why I argue that it's hard to sustain it. People that get into podcasting, they don't hold the line. They don't keep up with it. And I wanted to share my thoughts on this. So the situation is around Podcast One. Podcast One was at one point arguably one of the largest platforms for your very large, you know, well-known, I would argue liberal <laughs> uh, celebrity podcasters, you know, the Sarah Silvermans of the world. So what happened is a lot of these celebrities jumped on Podcast One and they would sign deals with Podcast One in exchange for what appears to be profit share, ad revenue share. I wasn't privy to any of these contracts, but I read and heard about this situation after the fact with this Colin Thompson dude and cast media and live one. It's, it's difficult to follow. The summary of it is that live one was going to buy out cast media as I understand this. And with this whole wrap up, they were trying to, they were basically insolvent. They ran out of money and they were going to issue stock to people that had contracts with because they couldn't pay them. So you had a lot of people who were podcasters and just to be clear, Leister here at CasualTalkRadio.net does not run ads on the podcast, and I've committed that I wasn't going to do so unless it was helping somebody out. You know, I've done where there's like somebody who had a book and I thought that the book was beneficial and I would have told you and said, here it is, but I've only done that once or twice. It's not something I favor because I kind of do it as a side dude. It's not like a job for me. So others they do it full time some people do it to feed their family some people do it for a hobby some people do it just because they want their board regardless of their reasons there are people out there where the money is really it's tough they need to make sure that they get paid and so we're talking in some cases six figures possibly seven figures for some people not getting paid with this podcast one business and i wanted to share what i thought because if you think about it podcasting it's I don't want to say pyramid scheme because that's not fair, but you're beholden to your host. That's always been the case. When I started the show, I started on Substack. Substack, people don't know, has a podcast tool with it, along with a blog. And I was reasonably happy with it. I just felt like we outgrew it. And I moved it to Anchor. Anchor, of course, was a subsidiary of Spotify. They've since absorbed Anchor into Spotify, and so now we're effectively, all three of our podcasts are effectively Spotify podcasts, which I have no beef with or anything. Anchor had a tool where you could monetize your podcast if you wanted to by running Anchor ads. So all you were doing is putting over Anchor, and you got some ad revenue for it. 
Then they discontinued it unless you had a certain number of listeners or greater, which casual talk radio has never had. Crypto talk radio came close, but I wasn't running any sort of ads on crypto side unless if you were not a triad member. And even then I wasn't doing it. So I had backed off doing any of the ad when they dumped it. I said, okay, I'm not doing this. This is stupid. And I think it's shady business the way that you're doing it. You entice people to do this and you tell them you can create a podcast for free. You can monetize it, make some money. So you didn't pay anything out of pocket. All you have to do is shill anchor and you get this benefit. And I thought it was cool. No problem. But then they yanked it and I chose not to go a different route. I've thought about and I've considered, you know, sponsorships and other types of things where I thought it was a good fit. You know, um, I I use Manscaped. I thought about them. Uh, there was uh, pH water. Uh, I think very highly of it. I thought about them. So it would be products that I think highly of, not just any old something. Never heard back from any of them. So I let it go. Well, again, I do it because I like to do it. It's a hobby for me. It's really something on the side where I enjoy the conversation. I enjoy sharing the thoughts. It's not like I need it. I have my side endeavor. My side endeavor pays me very well. It's not, it's not, the money is, has never been the issue with podcasting for me, but I understand that for many people it is, especially if they're out of the business that they were in, like Sarah Silverman, I only pick on her because she said something nuts so one time, but uh, I used to be a big fan of hers. She, she was on, uh, I believe it was Star Trek Voyager, I think it was, and you know, I was a fan from that. I was a fan from some of her other work. And then apparently she got either blacklisted or something from the business and then spun up a podcast. And then there's some others that, you know, they went to podcasting just because they felt like doing it. Like people that were ex-wrestlers from the business and they spun up a podcast like Honky Tonk Man. They're hilarious for what they are. And so I do listen to podcasts. I wouldn't say I'm a, you know, daily, but I do listen pretty frequently. And I know that some of these people, they really rely on that revenue. So when I heard about this podcast, One Business, it got me thinking, you know, a lot of them, I think it's one of those all your eggs in one basket situation. And this is where I think people have a lack of awareness about podcasts in general. And I think Jim Cornette, who I do listen to, I think he his whole setup is smart after he moved it. I think they got smarter and they realized we need to kind of make ours a little bit more independently controlled. So that here's the game of it. When you do podcasting, you have to have a host. The reason you have to have a host is simply because it's not practical to host it yourself. You can do it, but it's not practical. You'd have to spin up a server in the cloud that's running 24-7, so you're going to be charged for that. You're going to be charged for the additional storage over time because all of your audio files you choose to host have to be available. The easy part is making the RSS file. That's easy. But it's just all of the stuff to set it up and host it, and the storage cost is going to nail you as you grow. And so the the marketing strategy of these podcast hosts is we'll provide you the platform, we'll provide all the hosting, we'll provide the storage, everything else. And pretty much I own my content. They don't own any of the content. They say it's right in the contract. I own my content. They can't just shill it. What they can do is they can say, hey, here's a podcast, casualtalkradio.net. We recommend you check it out. It's hosted on Spotify. And that's great, right? It's it's more awareness. Because there's not very many podcasts like mine, especially now. It turns out that Casual Talk Radio actually has one of the most diverse audiences possible, which surprised me. Not because I wasn't working towards it, but just because there are so many podcasts out there, it's hard to be noticed in a crowd. So with these other ones, they spend major amounts of money, not just on the ad revenue part, but to be found and to be 
you know, pitched to people. So they spend on marketing to get people to the podcast. So you take the money they spend to get people to the podcast, all the ad partnerships that they have to do to get people on board and keep people engaged and everything else. You take all this and you wrap it up. And then this whole situation with podcast one happens and cast media where cast media is owing people millions and millions and millions of dollars. And in some cases, people rely on this to feed their families. And I, I wanted to just let you know, in case you were ever curious about it, we've never had any sort of association with Podcast One. I looked at it early on. I didn't think much of it, frankly. I thought it was a crap platform, in my personal opinion. I thought that there were too many bigwigs on it, too many, too many high rollers, you know, celebrities and people where I thought we'd get lost in the wind. And and frankly, Anchor is the only one, and I've looked at a lot of hosts, and Anchor is the only one at the time that offered me the one feature I think stands out that none of the rest of them do, which is segments of audio. I have my intro clip, I have my audio of whatever it is, I have transitions, I have my outro clip, which lets me streamline the recording. I can actually focus on what I want to say, as opposed to having to repeat the same pitch when it's literally the same pitch each and every time which allows me to time control my episodes. And I try to keep them to 30 minutes. A lot of people struggle with the time control aspect of it. And I would argue it's because if you're having to do all of these pitches every single episode, you can read off a script. Well, I'm never scripted. (laughs) So for me, that wasn't practical. But what I did want to do is just make sure that the quality was consistent as much as I could. And I've worked to improve it over time. But Anchor was, at the time, the only platform that seemed to do it the way I wanted it to do it. And Spotify is basically the same thing. It's the same software as it was before. They tweaked a couple of things that I don't really use. Like you can pull in Spotify music. You can do all sorts of stuff that I don't really use. I'm a very simple user. And I've debated hosting on my own. My point of my story is that I never considered Podcast One because I thought it's a little bit too large. They don't really do what I want. I actually think it's a crap interface. There's no value to me. And so I skipped it. I didn't think about it. Same with some of the other ones, Megaphone and others. But as I look at all these other podcasters out there, really big players, nowhere in my, you know, I'm I'm way out of their league uh, for their way out of my league for what we see and how they do and what they do and the service they perform. They obviously have an audience and that audience is a very loyal audience to what they do. And I can only imagine how that disruption is affecting them, not just from the money aspect, but the loyalty aspect, it, it's its very difficult to uproot your podcast and go to another platform. I'm still dealing with fallout from moving from Substack. Why is it such a pain? Because the way that each podcast provider does it is they want to redirect you to the new provider. That doesn't always work. So you, if depending on how many episodes you have, and I have a lot of episodes, depending on how many episodes you have, some might get less behind. I actually have on crypto, there's a number of episodes that I stumble across where there's a tweet. I think about it. Hey, I did an episode about that two years ago. I go find the episode so I can remaster it. Since the topic came up again, I'll just take the opportunity to remaster it, repost it. Turns out it's not on the new host. It's still on the old host. So I have to log back in there, grab the file, because in some cases those aren't backed up because I wasn't thinking backups at the time. I've, I since have done it, but back at the time I wasn't doing backups. I just said, okay, it's hosted there. Cool. Over time, I've learned, and this whole podcast one situation got me thinking about this too. I've learned that at the end of the day, my files are my files and I need to make sure they're taken care of. I need to make sure everything's managed correctly and not trust any of the providers. 
Because this whole podcasting thing, the hosts, all of these different providers, they've got it. They've got it made because, again, you can host your own on your own hardware and servers and everything else. I can do it. I have the technology to do it. It's a pain. And then managing it's almost a full time job, which means I'd probably have to hire somebody. And now the expenses go through the roof. So the hosts come along and either they're free or they're, you know, five bucks a month or 10 bucks a month or somewhere like 30 bucks a month, which I wasn't going to pay. But, you know, you pay a little stipend and now you get access to all these tools. And certainly I don't use all of them. I don't use the recording tools hardly as much. I, I tried to use Anchor's recording tool and I thought it was garbage just for me, for what I do. I'd rather create my own file that I can control and then I can upload it and I can master it and I can publish it and do everything I want to do, control my audio experience. By the way, I'm borrowing my Endeavors microphone, so hopefully it sounds a little better than uh, the laptop. But that's kind of my story of why I avoided podcast one. I just thought, first, it's out of my league, and two, I think it's crap anyway. But I was feeling really bad about all the different podcasters, even if they were super wealthy, just because, again, it's hard to move your podcast to a different platform. It, it shouldn't be, but it is. It's very difficult. The redirect, again, not working all that well. And you you change, you know, as you podcast over time, you get to the point where you're like, you know, I, I listen back to my old episodes, not, not as much me, but just I'm picky. The audio quality isn't what I wanted it to be. I can remaster it to a point, but my flow wasn't nearly what it is today. My messaging's the same but my flow is not really the same. In some cases, there are people that have reached out and they said they prefer that that style. And I understand that. At the same time, I have to be cognizant. I can't have hour-long episodes either. If you didn't know, some hosts actually start nailing you depending on the length of your episodes and the number of episodes you have. Now for Spotify, they don't really care. It's just whatever. But I have to be aware I may not be with Spotify forever. They may pull the same thing that Podcast One pulled. I don't know. I would think they wouldn't because right now, from a, let's say, awareness per perspective or from availability or from exposure, I think there's no better than Spotify and podcast ultimately answers to iTunes and, and Spotify anyway. And I'm on iTunes. So for me, I'm pretty much insulated from this business, but I watch it because I'm a podcaster just like they are. Although my podcast is different. And my audience is different. You know, you listen to me for a reason. And I appreciate each and every one of you. But be mindful of the different podcasters out there, even if you don't really care for their style. Because there's a lot I don't care for. But I'm recognizing the impacts on these people. This podcast one situation is bad. It wasn't unexpected. These hosts, they have it made. They, they can control the game. Not because you can't do it on your own, but because it's so much of a pain to, to do it on your own. I'll share a little something. And if somebody's out there that's wealthy enough, listen, I'm open. I, the idea is in my head. It's just a matter of the money to do it and the people to do it. The, the idea is there. Casualtalkradio.net, hit the contact form and let me know. If you're open to it, it's easy. The, the game, the next phase of the game for podcasting is a service that's that's able and willing to set up the ability to host your own podcasts. Literally start to finish. It's turnkey. You, you set up the storage. You set up the servers. You set up the RSS. You create the RSS feeds. You do all of that magic stuff. Then you partner with certain page providers for page hosting, just generic page hosting, because most of those are 
not going to go away and they're not scummy business like the rest of them. That, I think, is the next killer application. If somebody's brave enough, I think it can work. And hopefully we can wean people off because I do think that a self-hosted podcast business is a smart thing to do if you have the money to do it. It's all about the cash to do it and people to do it at the end of the day. So that's my spiel. That's what I stick to. The other thing that came up here recently, and I guess it's kind of a personal update and I'll leave it after the fact, but I, I think it's relevant for this whole business. So I'm no longer in Nevada. Yay, Hercules, Hercules. I'm no longer in Nevada. I am in the, the place I needed to be. However, I'm realizing it's not that I made a mistake. It's not that because I did need to get out of Nevada. However, I, I've not been in this type of a lifestyle in since my, geez, 20s-ish. And so it's a bit of a culture shock. It's certainly much more upscale than what I did in my 20s. But there are certain things that I didn't expect here that are kind of a shock. They're just really like, oh, what the, you know. So for me, you know, I'm, I'm I'm very sensitive to noise. That's number one. Noise doesn't seem too bad here except for the freaking barking dogs. I don't have a problem with like stairs or that kind of thing. But I am picky about where my place is. I'm right next to the stairs. I don't really hear them. So I think we've got lazy people here is my guess. And on the other side, there's a storage. So I don't really have like doors. I don't hear doors very much. I don't on this floor. I don't even hear very many. It's almost like I'm here by myself. Kind of like when I was at the penthouse, which I think that's good. But then downstairs, right? So when I get packages, they have multiple buildings. The package providers will not bring the packages to this building. They'll bring it to the central building, the leasing building, in a little storage at the back. And they'll just throw the packages in there. You can't find your stuff worth of nothing. And then people don't come pick their stuff up. Or the packages, like there was a lot of freaking packages today. And I jacked my thumb because I was carrying one of the things as a platform bed. that I had to bring up here. I had like five or six packages I had to go get. And I'm like, dude, I'm in this building. You could have put it in the building right in the mail room. I've seen packages be delivered there before. What's the problem here? And I went over there and I noticed the Amazon guy was there. The FedEx guy was there. You know, the Amazon guy was cool because once I, you know, check him and say, yeah, I'm, here's my unit. He just gave my packages directly because he have to be there. But the FedEx, it's like he had the heaviest freaking stuff. And I'm like, geez. So I tell you this because... Again, I don't think I made a mistake, but it's a huge shock, culture shock. Uh, It's something I'm not used to because I haven't done it in years. And I'm working to try to buy something. I don't, I'm doubtful I'll be able to do it in September just because of money availability. Because I spent a lot of money on the move. It's like nine grand all told. So I think it'll be October-ish because I make a lot of money, like I said, maybe October-ish, and I want to try to see if I can buy something just so that I have some of the stuff that I need, that I desperately need. I am, you know, I can't really charge my car. It's a hybrid, so I don't really have to, but I like to make sure it's kept charged. These jokers refuse to let you plug into the wall. I know that's a picky thing, but it's annoying. It's just personally annoying. So, all right, now I got to sit down again and think about, all right, if I'm going to do this, that's a lot of freaking money because I'd like to put 20% down on something if I'm going to buy something. Okay, so then house prices are a joke. 
and they don't appear to be going down in the short term. And I'd rather not buy now. And I certainly don't want to move again in the winter because I get tired of moving in the winter time. I just beat the winter here. It's actually starting to drizzle and it's a little bit chillier. So my air conditioner isn't blasting nearly as much as it used to. Because it was hot when I got here. It was, it was blazing hot. It was horrible. And so now i got to plan all that out. And you might be thinking, don't you want to settle down? I do. But everywhere I go, there's always some sort of issues. It's like the society has changed. It's all changed. And I know that some of it's West Coast versus East Coast and versus Midwest. And I, I got it. But, geez, it's just brutal. Like, when I got here, right, I'll tell this is a funny story, but it's not funny. So Jimmy John's, if you don't, if you're in the United States, you may have heard of Jimmy John's. Jimmy John's is a sandwich shop. And they pride themselves. They used to have commercials all the time. They pride themselves on, quote, freaky fast. So they had this thing where they would hire delivery drivers, usually their kids out of high school, and they're on their bike, and they would deliver their order straight to you. And when I was in Colorado, I would order them all the time because they were right across the street. You know, why not? And I have to work, so I can't get up. So, yeah, let's have the freaky fast guy. And he would always just show up, and I pay cash, and we're done. It was great. I, and I had one out in Nevada but they were like, they don't do it by, it's weird. They don't do it by mileage. They do it by number of blocks, which is stupid. So they're, they're literally walking distance from my house, but they refuse to deliver just a couple blocks because it's apparently too many blocks. Okay. So I come here, I see there's a Jimmy John's. I see that they ex- apparently accept my address as delivery. All right, cool. So I do an order. It's like 30 something dollars. Book the order. I'm waiting for the guy to show up. I'm going to pay cash because that's what I do. I get a call and they're like, well, we need you to, you know, uh, pay the order. I'm like, what? Well, yeah. When the guy shows up on his bike, I pay him the cash and get the sandwich. No, we don't have delivery drivers. We use Uber Eats. So we have to pay. We have to make sure they get paid or they won't do the delivery. I'm like, what do you mean you use Uber Eats? Jimmy John's has been known for hiring. Are we at, are we seriously at this world where you just refuse to hire kids and give them jobs and actually help our economy? And you're just pawning it off to freaking Uber Eats. Here's the irony. So, they wouldn't do it. There's a pizza joint out here called Toppers. They wouldn't do it. Um, Godfather's is somewhere around here, but they're not close, so I couldn't use them. So there's there's all these places, and not, they all will let you book online. They'll all let you pay cash online, but they don't have any freaking drivers, so they refuse to take the order so for delivery. Okay, I have to do Papa John's. I don't really want Papa John's. It's fine. It's just not what I wanted. I wanted a sandwich. So I get... Papa John's. And the funny thing is in Nevada, Papa John's doesn't have delivery drivers. They use Uber, uh, DoorDash. Out here, it's a Papa John's freaking driver. And he shows up, he takes cash, and it's all like normal, like we, like normal human beings used to be. But I can't now, I, I'm like, okay, so this is going to be a problem because I can't get the food I want to get the way I need to get it, which is paying by cash on delivery. And yes, I know what you're thinking. Go and pick it up. That sounds good. But when I'm at work, that's not really a luxury. That's the whole point of freaking delivery. See, there used to be a time even KFC delivered and we lost that. I understand. No problem. If it's KFC, see, they never, they went away from, they fully went away from delivery, just like little sleezers. They went away from delivery. That's fine. But Jimmy John's has always been known for having their own delivery drivers, right? So I'm, that's what bothers me. It's like, you were known for this. Why are you moving away from it? That's why I got miffed. And then Toppers, this business, I'm like, okay, (laughs) 
you, you, I know you had delivery drivers, so why would you do this? Why would you? Do Here's why it's even worse. In Nevada, when you do Papa John's and you do the cash delivery on, on their site, they phone it to DoorDash. DoorDash will show up and take cash. So it can be done, but it takes the restaurant saying that they want to do it. All of which to say, I'm not a foodie. I know it sounds that way, but given that, so this whole you know delivery driver fiasco, there's no freaking jack in the box out here. So that was really burning me up. And you know, breakfast is a little bit eh out here because they don't seem to know how to do bacon. Given all that, it's like okay. And then this whole uh, package business, I'm like okay, I, I probably need to do something a little bit different. I'm not sure what. It's not terrible out here. It's just, you know, I don't, I, there's certain expectations I have. And I'll tell you, my lofty dream is to just set up my own freaking village so I can do it right. It's like, you know, I'll have a Chick-fil-A there. The dang thing is going to be open on Sunday because I said so. There's going to be a Jack in the Box. It's going to be open 24 hours. It's going to have the kiosks back like it had back in the early 2000s. Yes, that's what we're going to do. The only good thing about here is the, the McDonald's has the breakfast bagels, which is great. That's the only, that's the only positive out here. Everything else is a negative. Like, but yes, I'm going to have the McDonald's. We're going to have all day breakfast like we used to. And they killed that. If you didn't know, they killed it because of the pandemic, allegedly. We're going to have all day breakfast on this business. Everything will take cash. I don't care what it is. You're going to take cash all over the board. If you don't take cash, you're going to get fired, uh, you know. So I'm going to, that's kind of my vision. That's kind of my, now it's my new mission is to, it, it's not enough to just move to a new area because all of them are just getting more and more screwed up. I've got to kind of create my own area. And I know people are going to flock to it because they understand what I understand, which is this is the way it's supposed to be. It's the way it used to be. This is the way it's supposed to be. And we want to have that back. I'll say this in closing. I, I thought about it and I have not decided, so don't start freaking, but I thought about it. If you didn't know, um, foster kids, you know, kids that are, are in foster homes or not in foster homes and need to be is starting to hit a fever pitch. There's starting to be a lot of kids that are, that, that are needy, you know, they need something. And the whole foster system, the whole point is to help them find their, you know, their natural parents. And if that doesn't work out, then you can consider adoption, but it's starting to hit a fever pitch. I was learning about it and they're having a hard time placing, they're having a hard time finding suitable parents and there's a whole criteria and, and eligibility and everything else and for me it's difficult to imagine myself being able to do that not because i can't pay for it but simply because you know i work from home you know with a with a child you got to take care of their schooling and, and everything else is a lot it's it's almost like a part-time business but i thought about well is there something i can do to try to help the situation even if i wouldn't be in adoptive parent myself is there something i can do to contribute to the situation so i've got to once i can get my whole freaking situation settled my living situation settled one of the things i do plan to do is to find out how i can contribute to that uh, cause and try to make a difference there however that happens whether that's just financial or volunteer or being an adoptive parent i don't know and i don't care but it's something that i i feel is important enough and it warrants attention and time needs so I will be looking into that at some point once I can get my situation all squared away. That's going to be on my docket. And I do encourage you guys, if you are 
have even thought about it, even passively. Just something to think about. I'm not telling you to do anything, man. But just kind of make yourself aware and familiar with the situation and, and how bad it's getting. Uh, because it's getting it's getting increasingly worse, I think. And some of that is just because I believe, this is my theory, some of that's because of the whole situation with birth control and abortion and, and you know, people that have kids out of wedlock and there's there's all sorts of reasons that are not the child's fault. And it's a sad situation. We I would not want to see um, children that get abandoned and left for years on end and they don't have a they don't have a way out. So I am going to be looking into that and I do encourage you to at least be educated about what that is and how that's how that's working and, and how bad the situation is. Again, we are recording once a week for the foreseeable future. I, I don't think I'm going to change back to two. I'll, I'm still thinking about it. For right now, to be once a week on Mondays for the foreseeable. That's the other reason I wanted to change my uh, audio a little bit so I could continue that and then be actually accurate what I say. So I will be back again on Monday as will uh, Bailey joining me. I want to thank you once again for listening, at least this long. I know it's been a bit. I am going to be doing more outreaches and there will come a time and I'm working on it. Trust me, there will come a time when I'm going to turn guests back on. I have not done it because I needed to get into a studio. And now that I got here, technically I can build a studio, but it's not really what I want. So now I got to wait a little bit longer to get the right. Because if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it with the quality. And so I'm, I'm my own worst critic, but I am assuring you here and now, Luther Vandross, I am going to get guests back on the show. It is a goal of mine. It's just I got to get everything right first.